Hey, this is the day the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. It is so good to be with you, church, today, wherever you may be watching us, whether here in San Diego County, somewhere in California, around the United States, or even the world. We're so thankful God has brought you here to be with us today. Today we're going to continue in our series called Unshakable, Standing Firm in an Unsteady World. And I want to talk to you about standing out for God in unsettling times. Now it's so great to be here at the Legacy International Center, Dr. Morris Rillis' dream, and just so thankful for the staff for allowing us to film multiple uh, areas of this beautiful campus. I want to encourage you to come check it out. they got an incredible restaurant, all sorts of great things. That's the Legacy International Center. I want to encourage you to check it out. Well, as we dive into God's Word, we're going to be going to 1 Kings 17.1. We're going old school this morning. We're going to be going way back, playback, to talking about Elijah. Now, the Bible says in 1 Kings 17.1, Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbi in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew, remember that word dew, or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, many of the people during the reign of King Ahab were taught that Baal was the God that they, the God that they worshipped, was the one who brought about the rains and who brought about the bountiful harvest that they experienced. So when Elijah shows up, uh, Elijah shows up as the prophet of God, he walks into the very presence of this king and tells him that there's not going to be any rain or dew for several years. And even though King Ahab had many priests of Baal, they could not bring dew or rain against his prophecy. Now when I read about Elijah in the Bible, this man was unshakable. This man was bold and courageous. And here he is in 1 Kings 17, 1, confronting a king who led his people into evil. Elijah reminded the people that, the, that there, there was a power that was greater than any pagan god that they worshipped during those times. And that was the Lord God, the one true God of Israel. Amen. Now, as prophets go, no one can deny that Elijah was the greatest. He was the most famous. He was the most dramatic of them all. And he left an unforgettable mark um, etched upon his time. He, he, along with a long line of many other prophets, was sent by God to Israel and to Judah. Unfortunately, Israel had no faithful kings throughout its history. Each king was wicked and led the people into worshiping pagan gods. And most of the priests in the tribe of Levi, they ended up going to Judah. Thus, with such few priests, the, the kings of Israel appointed priests who were ineffective, who were corrupt. And since there was no God-fearing kings, they didn't choose any anointed or respected priests to bring God's word to the people. And so God called prophets to try and rescue Israel during that time from its moral and spiritual decline. And so for the next 300 years, these prophets played an incredible role in the nation, challenging and encouraging the people uh, and those in leadership to turn back to God. And that's where we're at in our society today. And I believe as God's people, He's calling us to be bold. He's calling us to be courageous. He's calling us to be unshakable in our faith and to stand firm in His Word and to stand firm in His ways and to stand firm in His values in an unsteady world. Why? Because we must challenge people. We must encourage our culture to turn back to God. God is the answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, many in our society have either walked away from God or, or they don't want to have a relationship with Him or they've chosen to become their own God, developing their own form of trust and truth in regards to what is right and what is wrong. So what made Elijah stand out? What made him be unshakable in his, in his uh, quest for what God called him to be as a prophet, especially in what we read in 1 Kings 17.1? Well, the first thing is he stood out because of his name. He stood out because of his name. His name meant, my God is Jehovah. 
my God is Jehovah. Now, Jehovah in Hebrew means the Lord, and, and meaning that Elijah's name means that my God is the Lord. I hope that's, that's the way you're living your life, that God is the Lord over all of your life, your finances, your, your um, relationships, um, your career, your education, all sorts of things in our lives, your home, all the, the materialistic needs that you have and that you own, that God is the Lord over all those things. And for Elijah, the, the God was the Lord of his life. God was the Lord of who he was. God was the Lord of what he did for his kingdom and for his glory. And God has given us a name to use in our lives that is a name above all names. Amen. And that is the name that is above any disease. It's above any illness. It's above any crisis. And there is a name that brings healing. It brings comfort. It brings peace. It brings breakthrough. And that is the name of Jesus. His name is above cancer. His name is above sickness, war, strife, division, confusion, depression, fear, stress, or anxiety. Somebody say Jesus. Amen. There's something about that name. And, and, and we as God's people and as Christians should be standing out today because of what we have in the name of Jesus. My question to you today is Jesus Lord over all of your life or maybe just part of your life. You know the answer to that question. See, God has given us a name and an identity as his ambassadors, and we should not be standing on the sidelines. We should not be sitting on the bench during this time that we're living in, but we should be standing out for him because of who we are in Christ Jesus. You see, Elijah stood out for God because God was the Lord who was over all of his entire life. Now, secondly, Elijah was unshakable in, in this moment in, and in other moments because he stood out because he lived for God. He lived for God. He was, very tender he was a very tender-hearted man to God, but he was as tough as nails. He was tenacious when he had to be with others. You see, he was living in a time when rebellion and heresy was at an all-time high in Israel. And God responded not only with words, but with action. And he sent Elijah to Israel, where Elijah was able to confront the issues. Kings and people may have rejected the messages at times that Elijah delivered, but yet God did so many miracles through Elijah from predicting the beginning and the end of this three-year drought to restoring a dead child back to his mom, to representing God in a showdown with the priest of Baal and Asherah, uh, where God consumed uh, you know, Elijah's sacrifice and the prophets and the priest of Baal and Asherah, I should say, um, their God did nothing. And there were so many amazing miracles that Elijah did, but one of the greatest miracles was Elijah's desire to know God to know God. When you think about it, there are some reminders that we can observe from Elijah who stood out for God in the days he was living in. That the first thing that comes to my mind is God is always looking for someone to stand in the gap in difficult times, to stand in the gap. Ezekiel 22:30 says the prophet said on behalf of God, I look for anyone to repair the wall, to stand in the gap for me on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it, but I couldn't find anyone. God is looking for us today to stand in the gap for our nation, to stand in the gap for our community, to stand in the gap for our families, to stand in the gap for our churches. And in the ancient world of the Bible, cities had walls that surrounded them to provide protection from the enemies. But when the wall was breached, the city was vulnerable to destruction. And the only way to secure it was for people to risk their lives by literally standing in the gap in the wall and fighting the enemy. God is calling you and I to stand in the gap. God is calling you and I to, to, to risk our lives literally for, the, for those that, are, that the enemy is fighting for today. Now, friend, listen to me. There are going to be times when God may call you to do something 
where God may call you to stand in the gap for him regarding something that he values in his word or someone he loves. But here's the key that you and I need to remember. During these times that he calls us to stand out, and that is even when you feel alone, you are not alone. You and I are not alone. There are others that, that are, that are like-minded. There are others out there that God is raising up and using for his glory today. And God tried to remind Elijah that there were over 7,000 others in Israel who were still faithful to him. There were 7,000 who were still faithful. We need to come to focus and to focus that God is more interested in a remnant than a revolution. Because a remnant will go on and a revolution, unfortunately, can fade away. Just ask Gideon and his army of 300. Here's an army that God used as a remnant to transform the land. I want to encourage you that starting September 6th through the 26th, we're going to be doing 21 days of prayer and fasting and repenting for our nation, for our church, for our community, for our lives, for ourselves, for our families, and so forth. And I want to encourage you that God is calling us to stand in the gap here in 2020 in this fall season that we're getting ready to come upon, that during these 21 days of prayer and fasting, repenting, that God will do something in us, transform us, transform our church, transform our community, transform our city, our state, our nation, and our world, because it desperately needs the hand of God, because God is looking for someone to stand in the gap. You see, faith will always cause you to go where the Lord leads you. And the Lord is calling us to do things. The Lord is calling us to go in uncharted waters like he did with Elijah to go to King Ahab. And we need to remember in our spirit today where God leads, he will always feed. Where God guides, he will always provide. That's the nature of our God. And I want you to understand that God has placed you to live where you live. He's placed you to work where you work. He's placed you to have relationships with those you have. He's placed you as a student uh, to the school that you're eventually going to go back to. But faith does not allow the threat of hardship to alter the course that the Lord has set for someone or even for his church. Don't even allow the threat of a reduced income to cause you to dis disobey the Lord's direction for your life. You and I have to choose to trust in the Lord who knows how to care for his people. Another thing we observed from Elijah who stood out for God in the days he was living in was this, that God's ways and God's methods are completely different than ours. God's ways and God's methods are completely different than ours. Now, when it comes to how God ministered and displayed his power, we talked about 1 Kings 19, 9 through 8. And the Bible says, or, or, we, or we read in 1, 1 Kings 19, 9 through 8, that the Bible says that the Lord did not come in a windstorm to Elijah, or he did not come to him in fire, or he did not even come to him in an earthquake, but he came to him in a whisper. Why did God come to Elijah in a whisper and not in a powerful way that he demonstrated in other ways to Elijah? The reason I believe is because God was that close to him. God wants us to be so close to him that we can literally hear his voice in a whisper. And God often speaks through the gentle and the obvious rather than the spectacular and the unusual. And we're never alone as we may feel uh, when we know that God has called us. And here's the thing that we need to remember, friends, that the Lord is with us. I love what Isaiah 55, 8 says, that my thoughts, the Lord says, are nothing like your thoughts. And neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. We need to remember that as we are going forward, as we are standing out for God, as we're being bold and courageous, and we're doing what the Lord is desiring for us to do for His glory and for His honor, we need to remember that God's ways and God's methods are completely different than ours. And another thing we can observe from Elijah's life, and this is a warning, this is a reminder to us as we wrap up today's message, and that is this, that the fear of man and the fear of God cannot coexist. 
The fear of man and the fear of God cannot coexist. You see, God wants us to be unshakable. He wants us to do His will and work, even if we feel fear or we experience failure. Think about it, church. After all the ways God worked, an overwhelming, an overwhelming miracle through Elijah to defeat the prophets of Baal, Elijah eventually ran in, in, in fear for his life because he was threatened by Jezebel who wanted to kill him. Our enemy is, the devil is just like Jezebel. He's always going to try to kill a dream in your life. He's always going to try to kill hope in your spirit. He's always going to try to destroy what God has done in you and through you. Why? Because every time you experience a spiritual high, the enemy, just like Jezebel, wants to kill and destroy and have you experience a spiritual low. Just think about it, friends. Jesus, who fasted for 40 days and, and, and nights, talk about a spiritual high, was greeted by who? Not his father, not angels at that time, not yet. But instead, he was, he was greeted by Satan, who tried to bring him down the path of a spiritual low. But how did Jesus overcome the enemy? If you read Matthew 4, he kept talking about the Word. He kept quoting Scripture. He kept talking about, it is written. It is written. That is why it's important that you and I read the Word. We study the Word. We know the Word. We meditate on it. We memorize it. We quote it to ourselves in the middle of our hardships. Because, friends, the Bible says in Isaiah 48, 40 verse 8, the grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the Word of God will last forever. I'm telling you, friend, when the enemy comes at you, when the enemy threatens you, always take him or that difficult trial to what the Word says about you, about what God's Word promises to help you and guide you through. Unfortunately, Elijah chose so many times to work alone. He chose to isolate himself from others. But I don't believe that's what God wants us to do in this time, friends. You know, he doesn't want us to quarantine ourselves literally from the body of Christ. Ecclesiastes says it's that two are better than one. In Deuteronomy, it says that one can chase a thousand to flight, but two can chase ten thousand to flight. And in Genesis, we read that God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. You see, church, we need to remember that there is strength in numbers. We're better together. We're not supposed to be, we're not supposed to forsake the assembly of coming together to have church. Even Hebrews 10.25 says not to neglect meeting together. Not to neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, it's important to continue to come to church. It's important to be the church, especially in the days that we're living in. We need each other. I need, you to be, I need you to be with me and I need to be with you and others who are like-minded. You see, in Elijah's isolation, he forgot that God, has always, God always has more resources and, and God always has more people to help us overcome more than we even know. Elijah from Jezebel threatening to kill him became afraid. He became depressed. He became abandoned. He felt abandoned even though God provided for him food and shelter in the desert. And even though God provided food and shelter for him, the Bible says that Elijah wanted to, to die. He wanted to die. And that is what happens when the fear of man overtakes you from fearing God. Because the fear of man and the fear of God cannot coexist. Overall today, I want you to understand that Elijah is an example of what a life can look like that is totally committed to God. And he was committed to God. And the key to overcoming his fears was Elijah focused on developing constantly his relationship with God more than doing amazing miracles for God, which the Lord used in his life. Every head is bowed and eyes are closed in this 
holy moment, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, friends. God is wanting us as his church, as individuals, as ambassadors to stand in the gap. And what area is God calling you to stand in the gap today? Maybe it's for our nation. Maybe it's for your church. Maybe it's for your pastors or your leaders. Maybe it's for government officials. Maybe it's your community. Maybe the school in your neighborhood that you drive by. Maybe it's um, first responders or teachers or neighbors or your loved ones. It could be praying for them. It could be sharing your faith, giving to expand the kingdom of God through the local church or a charity, uh, giving to missions, praying or, or fasting or, or something else that God is birthing in your spirit. I, I want to pray for you if God is challenging you and wants you to stand the gap. Number two, what are you, where are you at when it comes to the fear of man versus the fear of the Lord today? You see, both cannot coexist with one another. Maybe you need more courage or desire more boldness for God today. Perhaps like Jezebel was to Elijah, the enemy is trying to kill something in you. He's trying to defeat you in some area of your life. I want to pray for you that God will give you boldness and the confidence to do what he's called you to do. And finally, how is your relationship with God today? Is it growing? Is it thriving? Is it just surviving? Is it, is it declining? Or perhaps it just is non-existent today. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ today. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to Christ today. I want to pray for you in one of those specific areas as we wrap up today's service or today's message. Father, I pray right now for individuals that you are challenging to stand out, that you're challenging to be courageous, to be bold. Lord, just like Elijah was where he went to King Ahab, an evil king, a nation that was just worshiping a, a, a false god, a pagan god who, who was not the god who brought rain or bountiful harvest. It was the one true god, the god of Israel. And so literally you brought a drought. And Lord, it seems like in our, in our nation today, there's a drought. There's a drought. And Lord, you want to bring life into it, Lord Jesus. And so God, I pray that you would use your church to stand in the gap whether it's praying, fasting, giving, going, serving, loving, being compassionate, Lord. Give your church, give your individuals a vision to see, the faith to believe, and the courage to do what you've called them to do, Lord. Lord, I pray for my brother or my sister who's dealing with the fear of man more than the fear of the Lord. And Lord, they're struggling with that, Lord Jesus. And they need more courage or they desire more boldness. Perhaps there's a Jezebel uh, in their life, Lord, that is coming to kill something or to defeat them and to literally have them go into a cave. But Lord, today I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would remind them that you've not given them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, Lord Jesus. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within those that proclaim Jesus as Lord. So today, God, I come against the enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I pray that you would infuse life and life more abundantly to those. And Lord, as we wrap this up, we pray for relationships. The most important relationship is the relationship with you. And for those that their relationship is declining or non-existent or not thriving, but literally surviving by a threat, I pray today would be the day of salvation. I pray for that individual who wants to rededicate their life to you or give their life to you for the very first time, God. And right where you're at, church, just maybe that's you as an individual. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross. Three days later, you rose from the grave. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Today, my life was bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And today, I thank you, Jesus, that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I choose to live for you, whether I'm giving it to you for the first time or I'm rededicating it to you 
today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, I want to encourage you. If you prayed that prayer, you made the greatest decision of your life. I want to encourage you on this day, today, stand in the gap. Go forward in what God's called you to do. And remember that the fear of man, the fear of God cannot coexist. So choose this day. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God bless you. Have a great day. And now here's Monty the Magnificent.